Hello. The crisis in Ukraine and the human tragedy unfolding there has continued to shock the international community as the Russian invasion has intensified. Western nations have now imposed tougher financial sanctions against Russia, including freezing the assets of its central bank and removing a number of Russian banks from the SWIFT international payment system. If there is no diplomatic solution, which seems unlikely at this point, there's a concern that this war could drag on for a long time. I'm Carsten Röhmheld and I'm joined now by Fidelity's Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Andrew, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. It's good to, uh, to be speaking with you again, Carsten. As I mentioned, Western countries have this week announced a raft of economic sanctions against Russia. What impact have investors been grappling with and what else should they expect? Well, I think the direct impact is that uh, we found um, through the actions, not just of the, the West, but through how the Russian authority has responded, that uh, several markets, um, especially those for Russian and Belarusian uh, uh, securities, have basically reached a point where there is no price discovery because the market's either closed, um, that uh, it's impossible to deal, uh, that the functioning of um, those markets has basically stopped. Um, and then that's obviously impacted onto related areas. So when you think about the depository receipt markets, whether it be the GDRs in the UK or the ADRs in the US, um, those have seen a very uh, significant impact as well. And the flow through into bond markets, so local currency, again, the same thing that you've not seen the ability to transact um, and we have seen in the spot markets that uh, for FX that it's been very volatile, um, obviously on the initial uh, moves, um, but obviously forward markets where you've got the impact of these very sharp interest rate uh, moves and again the ability to think in any time scale at this stage with the events and how they're unfolding that they're not working very efficiently or in a very liquid form. So challenging environment there. There are some ripples, um, but uh, we've seen very limited uh, contagion to date. Um, and in some ways that uh, what we have had is, is most probably more as um, investors have taken stock of what will be the broader impact um, and how that will in, in influence countries um, and also markets more broadly uh, over time. What do you see as being the wider impact on central banks right now? Are we likely to see a slowing in expectations of tightening? So I think there's a slightly different profile, depending on which of the countries or regions we look at. I think for Europe, um, there clearly has to be that uh, impact being considered very, very uh, uh, clearly within policy settings uh, now. Um, we had, not that long ago, uh, an ECB meeting where expectations jumped significantly around how hawkish uh, they would be and how the unwind of quantitative easing uh, programs, of uh, interest rate increases uh, that could follow that. Um, and that will, uh, we really believe, one, be rolled back. Two, there will be a measured and thoughtful process around you know, what does this mean and take stock um, and look at the data more closely. The challenge is that, as we've seen only in the last few days, is that inflation has hit new nominal highs in Europe. Um, that uh, you know, growth through the energy channel, we think, sadly, will be a very strong consumption tax in the way that you're seeing gas um, and overall energy markets performing. And this is also coming on the back of what we'd seen of Europe opening up and a recovery that was building, obviously you know, hitting that very much um, uh, sort of head on at, uh, with events that have taken place. And then combined with that, you have supply chains um, you know, being challenged uh, again. For the US, I think it's slightly different in that 
um, you know, we've always thought that they would not be as aggressive as the market was starting to think, um, you know, only looking back uh, two or three weeks ago, mainly because we felt that uh, there were going to be forces at work, given the debt burden, given the risk of slowing of the economy as the year went on, that they would want to talk the market into doing the action for them and then roll back a little bit. And I think that what you've seen um, only this week with Jerome Powell speaking is that those expectations of greater tightening in March have been taken back. And so it's likely they will increase rates, but more like 25 basis points now. And secondly, though, that I think for the US, the inflation inflationary pressures, you know, stay very real. Um, and so, you know, what we may find there is that just as we're fearing stagflation may give way to more recessionary impulses for Europe, when we look to the US is that that stagflation, you know, looks to be very much in place where growth isn't going to decline aggressively and immediately, but it is going to start to slow. And um, so, you know, you might find some Good data numbers, poor data numbers, but strong inflationary uh, numbers still um, persisting there. Yeah, you mentioned the high energy prices that are a huge tax for consumers and companies. We've already seen some curtailments in certain high energy intense industries. There's also food prices, who could be a, a, another very critical point as Russia and the Ukraine are big global suppliers of grain and fertilizers. So what are the macro consequences of these moves? Do you really think now recessionary scenarios are more likely at this point? Well, I think that um, uh, you know, the risk of that is growing. And when we look at what we felt were uh, the types of scenario that could play out, then clearly events have increased the risk, as we have said over the last uh, couple of weeks of stagflation, really um, you know, being at the top of that list. But I do think that also the odds of this tipping into a more clearly recessionary environment for some areas, uh, not necessarily uh, for everywhere, um, is going to be a much greater risk now. And I think to your, your point, there are a number of things that should be um, taken in consideration that, you know, when we look at Ukraine, it's been a significant producer of many valuable um, uh, commodities um, and including, you know, food as well uh, that um, uh, has been important for, uh, for Europe. Um, but it's impacting that broader sort of ripple across uh, different areas um, of the world. And that isn't going to go away necessarily very quickly. Um, obviously, we all hope, given just the humanitarian crisis that's taking place, that this can be resolved and we can um, find cessation of, uh, of what we're seeing today. But the challenge is that some of this will roll on, even if that were to, to occur. And I think that, um, you know, as central banks, again, sort of build this into their assessment, I think what it does, uh, Carsten, is just mean that they will be, you know, slower, taking stock, waiting to see what the real outcomes are from this, and certainly not um, carrying through on very aggressive policy actions just at this stage. We're always looking for historic precedents. Does this remind you of the playbook that developed in the 70s when the world faced an oil price shock, which had severe economic consequences? So, uh, you know, it's one where we've grappled with for a while of uh, would that be uh, something that uh, we do see um, develop? And, and I think the challenge is that uh, you know, if we look at just the statistics that, um, you know, this week we had um, you know, one of the amazing uh, uh, sort of data points is that on the 3rd of March, it actually is the uh, second highest, which is surrounded by individual days that we saw in the 70s 
of this sort of uh, you know impact onto um, uh, commodity prices and the uh, the, uh, the sort of flow through impact across uh, markets from that. So. You know, it is something I think we do have to take seriously. I think the risk as well is that it creates this more volatile economic and then market environment. And markets in reality have been, um, you know, relatively, uh, uh, you know, well um, disposed in that we've seen, uh, you know, setbacks, but then um, ability to recover. I think the challenge as we've gone through the course of this um, current week is that, uh, you know, markets have started to get more nervous. We haven't seen full-blown contagion, but we have seen signs that, you know, concern about what does this mean playing through Europe? What does it mean to, you know, to companies, to supply chains, to their ability to hit those earnings targets that were getting more favourable um, as we were looking, uh, uh, you know, through the course of 22? Um, it's also going to play back a little bit into some of the nervousness that we saw in bond markets in that you'll see government bond markets Clearly, as we have seen, that uh, you know, yields can stabilise, even come off a little bit, but it's going to feed through into more concern again around some of the corporate credit um, uh, as we see uh, uh, you know, how this plays out at the individual company level. If you're going to keep costs and inputs up, potentially hit demand to a degree, and then obviously, as I said, the estimates were fairly uh, optimistic, and so you know, we started to see a little bit of repricing and market um, relative repricing going on as well. This is a very complex picture. So um, how is this all feeding into your core asset allocation view at this point? So I think that the uh, fortunate thing, and I've touched on this before, is that we came into this period um, for other reasons, um, uh, you know, looking at what we thought were the, the risks around some of the central bank um, uh, you know, discussion and what they were looking to achieve um, uh, in terms of financial conditions, but also that the way that the market still um, felt slightly ahead of themselves in where they were priced, especially in risk assets. So we came in with a uh, neutral to risk, um, a lower risk profile than we'd had on our asset allocation, tactical asset allocation profile. Um, and some of the, the risks embedded within that that um, we were trying to also reflect is that you know, within the equity market is not have such a positive stance that had lowered US um, in favour of uh, the UK, but also Japan and looking to, to Asia and uh, China. We still believe that that's correct. Obviously, in the volatility we're seeing, um, that may well present as an opportunity for us to, especially when we look to Asia and uh, China, to increase weightings relative to um, uh, the developed world. In credit, again, this has really sort of, uh, you know, impacted onto thoughts around uh, you know, how we were seeing that high yield uh, was already, we felt, a little um, tight in pricing, so taken down risk and were underweight there. As we see how markets play out here, again, that when we look across to Asia, we feel that value is being created there, that some of the pricing impact is actually misplaced because of the sustainable impacts onto some of these um, countries, and especially when you've got uh, something I haven't discussed um, further today, but is that China stimulus starting to pick up and the credit impulse that that's providing both for China, but will ripple out um, for Asia, we think. So that's slightly impacting that it's where you take your risk across markets. And again, that from a government bond perspective, we're not convinced that yields will decline too much further in the US. Um, uh, but uh, in reality, when you look to Europe, you're likely to find that markets will be very cautious and take you know, yields down again as they don't see policy changing as much as they were thinking only uh, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, and then lastly, I think that um, one of the challenges uh, here is looking across to 
um, how you navigate the foreign exchange markets because clearly we're in a uh, you know a degree of a very cautious um, uh, you know heightened concern and so how that uh, ripples through uh, markets given a bid to the dollar again uh, a lot of people have built up dollar deposits around the world and you know, how the Fed responds and what their words are around any rate move this month will be a very important one for that. But at the moment, that knee-jerk um, need for a safe haven is very much favoring the, the dollar. We had better wrap up there. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today, Andrew. And thank you for listening. You can read more from Andrew and our investment teams on the crisis in Ukraine on your local Fidelity website or on fidelityinternational.com. The producer today was Holly Eastman with technical support from Connor Bailey. From all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website.